Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, good day. Whatever your time zone is, welcome. I'm so excited and glad to have this relatively new series. This is the third of our gatherings monthly. My name is Herb. I'm an alcoholic. I'll facilitate our call today, but first I'll put up on the screen a prayer called the Set Aside Prayer, where mo most of you are familiar with it, and I've changed it recently. Some of you know that, most of you probably don't. I've uh, replaced the word brokenness with the word unmanageability. If you'll join me, God, please set aside everything that I think I know about myself, my unmanageability, the 12 steps, and you. For an open mind and a new experience with myself, my unmanageability, the 12 steps, and especially you. Please join me in the serenity prayer. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can, and wisdom to know the difference. A, a couple comments. I have changed for me, for my purposes, not for anybody else, for my purposes with the new workshops, the set-aside prayer. I've been in discernment about it for a long time. And finally, after 20 years of not changing the set-aside prayer, I changed that one word to unmanageability. It seems reasonable. Um, I, I use a different set-aside prayer given different occasions. If it's a broad group, I'll use spiritual path rather than 12 steps. But this group is particularly focused on the 12-step process because we're calling it the step guide meeting rather than the buddy meeting. We've just changed the name also uh, to represent it very clearly and accurately as to what the purpose is. It meets once a month. It's a train the trainer kind of group where we ask questions, we make comments, we share experiences, what works, what doesn't, didn't work in terms of helping people navigate the 12 steps out of the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. Doesn't matter what fellowship you're in doesn't matter what your addiction is or whether you even have one. If you have experienced the 12 steps out of the big book, Alcoholics Anonymous, that's the textbook that we're focused on, and you've gotten to and are in the midst of or have completed step nine, then from my standpoint, you're in great shape to help other people navigate the 12 steps. It doesn't mean that you have to wait to help people with the 12 steps till you finish or are in the midst of step nine at all. People who are in step two can help people with step one and so on. And that's up between you and your sponsor. Um, and it may be that people are here because they want to improve their sponsorship, not necessarily just their or, or only there, uh, work with the steps, uh, because you'll hear a lot of personal experience about what works and what doesn't work with regard to sponsorship. So that's a secondary benefit, actually, and focus of the, of the group. The primary is the step work. Obviously, they're very integrated. Um, it's my experience, as most of you know, that I have had sponsor to one for 28, 30 years, the, 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 this current one for the last seven or eight years. And um, I've never worked my steps with my sponsor. It's a different story for a different day, but I've engaged step guides, men who I respected, who were mechanics with the big book and the step process, like project managers. We started, one time it was 12 months, one time it was six months, one time it was two years different time frames, different experiences, 
for different reasons. Now that's an unusual experience perhaps. Most people, and from my standpoint, the best of all situations is where the sponsor and the step guide are the same person. There are a series of audio recordings and video recordings. Um, the video recordings are all on YouTube in a complete well-organized playlist. My uh, editor, Joe from Australia, has very painstakingly edited every uh, one of the events and every one of the weekly workshops and done a, a wonderful job of editing and, and putting together the best of all pieces uh, I will be using the 2021 recordings for going forward with the new workshop. Be, the three new workshops beginning in July, for the very first time, I will be recommending using the 2021 recordings rather than the original 2010 audio recordings. The 2021 are Zoom video recordings, which include the PowerPoint. Now, obviously, as step guides, as buddies, as sponsors, whatever it is you're going to call yourself, you're welcome to do anything you want. <laughs> I'm telling you what I'm doing. I don't have any rules and I don't impose anything on anybody. I open it all up so that you can have resources and make your own mind up as to how to apply them if they're helpful. That's what I, I want to be helpful. If you haven't seen or heard my most recent sponsorship workshop, which was done within the last year, year and a half, uh, it also is in the YouTube playlist. It's a three hour workshop on sponsorship. It's my most current thinking, my most current experience, my, my most current presentation. Um, you would benefit probably by looking at and listening to that. A lot of the information obviously comes from my own knowledge and background and experience, but the some of the formal parts, some of the phraseology, some of the way it's organized comes from a book by uh, Hamilton B published through the Hazelton organization called 12 step sponsorship. For me, it's a real a wonderful capture of uh, over overview of experience, both in being a sponsor. And also, he has a lot of comments about being a sponsee. So I, I, I don't require it to anybody, but I'm, it's very high, high on the list of my recommendations. I'm going to call on you in the order that you've got your hands up on the screen here. Um, but my question is, I have a new sponsee. She's doing well. She's going to be doing the step study in July, and I will be as well. Um, is there anything at all? I don't think so. But is there anything at all about doing the same 12-step um, workshop as a sponsee sponsor? Uh, I, I think it's a wonderful bonding building experience. Okay. Yeah. Now, uh, as long as it doesn't become a competitive experience. Now that's more relevant for men probably than women. I don't know that there's my gender prejudice, but um, I have seen mothers and daughters, sons and fathers, uh, people in a committed relationship, take the workshop together. And as long as they're sharing the experiences and the work, in their conversations, it stays really healthy. But if they start trying to help one another, it gets very unhealthy <laughs> because you're mitigating the individual's experience. So that's a really, really good question. I, and I think it would, there's many sponsors who come on and do the work at the same time their sponsees are doing it and then share the experience and somehow are able to navigate it in a way that it's not interfering with the either person's experience. Right. Okay. That, does that I, make I, sense? Yes. Yes. And I did your workshop last year, so I have been through it once. Yeah. Well. 
Yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah. Okay. The question that I had really about being a step guide, I've um, uh, been asked to lead multiple people through the steps at different times and <laughs> over the years. And, you know, I've only had two people who ever hung in there and completed those steps. Yeah. And, um, and I, and I've always kind of felt like at some point, do I just let them go or do what's you the alternative? them out? I mean, what, what's the alternative? Well, I know I have to let them go eventually. Oh, you can put handcuffs on them and tie them up. Beat them. <laughs> yeah, <didn't> beat them. <laughs> it's like, should I be calling and say, is there something you need help with? You know, well, that's a good question. Once. Once. Okay. That, okay. That's. Okay. <laughs> we don't chase them. Because usually what I, I've done is give an assignment basically and then said, okay, when you're done with it. Yeah call me and we'll schedule a time to meet. And and they do that and it works along and then they get to a place where I know they've hit a wall. And it's like, I'm thinking, oh, wonder whatever happened to so-and-so. Yeah. Okay. I, 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 I will call them once. I might call a second time with okay. uh, 30 days in between, but I do not chase them. Okay. Then put me through the steps, said it very clearly. I will not work any harder than you do. Okay, good. Yeah. <laughs> okay, thanks. Thanks. Uh, no, it's a that's the point of this discussion. Those kind of questions. We'll get over the administration. Uh, it'll take us a few gatherings, probably. But uh, that's the kind of question that's the real heart of this uh, gathering. So thanks so much. Well, I'm, I'm going to tie on to one oh, piece yeah? that I, I sometimes um, get myself in a myself in a tizzy, I think, when I'm looking for, okay, I'm not, am I doing it one, two, three, the right way? Yeah. The truth is all I can, all I feel like the only thing that really works is when I tell them what worked for me or what I did. Yep. And, and if they want to do it some other way, because they heard from somebody else that blah, 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 I'm like, you know, bless you, go do it. But this is my, I mean, I only have my experience, right? When it comes to sponsoring. That's it. Yeah, okay. it makes it really right. easy, doesn't it? It certainly, yeah, yeah. Thanks. Okay, good. Thanks, Thanks so much. Uh, I have a couple general questions. I hope I'm not uh, being repetitive in any of this. I have uh, five men that I have sponsored over the years, and they they want to go through the workshop this year. They're signed up to do that. So I am going to be a step guide and I've actually kind of already volunteered, asked them if they wanted my help as far as being a step guide and helping them, you know, with the assignments as we go through the workshop. It, is that an okay idea, Herb? You it's not problems? just an okay idea. It's something that has developed organically even without my initiating it, which makes it even more relevant. And okay. it's developed on its own where sponsees or excuse me, sponsors or the a community of people, two or three or four or 10 from the group itself, not knowing each other previously mm -hmm. on an informal basis, form a group to meet in between the weekly workshops. And it's been a un uniformly powerful experience for the people. So I have to believe that a sponsor who's working with some sponsees at the same time and meets with the whole group in between. Is that what you're suggesting? I'm going to meet with each one of them individually, but yes, I was going to take Oh, you're working too hard. No, I was going to I take it a step further before, but you actually said it. I've suggested to them that we have our own group once a week where we're all on together sharing ideas. That would be my recommendation. Otherwise, you're, I mean, you're welcome to spend your time any way you want obviously but hey, i'm a i'm an efficiency nut and putting them all in the same room will be very helpful as long as you don't expect them all to be at the same place right no yeah. they're not they're not they go anywhere from six months up to 15 years so well and and you'll find when we get to the fourth step that some people will still be on the resentment when other people are on the conclusion right. yes yeah. okay that's don't good. don't make it a competition no, no. 
I, I would not at all. Yeah, these guys, yeah, I get you. And I, I thank you for that. And I, I really liked what the guy was saying about accountability and, uh, you know, being responsible to uh, the step guide as well. So in other words, you set, you lay the groundwork, you lay the, not really rules, but you just say, okay, what's your expectation? Yes. This is what I did with my step guide. Can we both agree on that? And then if we, yes. if it doesn't go that way, then you, you just let it go. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Expectations is the right word. Guidelines is okay too, as long as they, ne they never become rules. Okay. I heard. Um, I have had I've had two fabulous years of of uh, step guide experience. Um, the the groups have been just we meet once a week and the groups have been terrific. But but um, some of the the people that were in the last one would like to do something like uh, your emotional sobriety that you do with Alan Berger. Is mm -hmm. there anything that you do on that topic that's like once a month? They don't wanna just listen to something. They mm -hmm. would like, they really like having a time and a date where you have to show up. Right, right. And you have to listen. Uh, I don't have at the present time, and I won't have this year, but it might be something that I might get involved in next year. What I would rec I don't know whether you're looking for a recommendation or not, but what came to my mind when you mentioned it is Dr. Berger has just published a book on emotional sobriety. And wouldn't it be wonderful for a group to take that book as a uh, sort of a book study for and use one chapter a month? I think that would be phenomenal as long as they've already done the, the 12 steps. Okay. I, I think it would be a little premature for somebody who hadn't completed the or in the midst of completing the ninth step. Okay. Yeah. I've got it pre-ordered, so. Yeah, I, I uh, me too. I've, I've read the manuscript, but I want to see the hard copy. And um, I said to Dr. Berger, and I meant it, I think it's the best work he's done. It's a really, really solid piece. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. Um, I used to sponsor very quickly. And ever since I've been taking the, the class, um, it, it's going to be different. What that's going to be, I don't know. Well, yeah. well just, but, but the thing is, use your experience, but you could expand your experience by reading a book on sponsorship and or listening watching my uh presentation on sponsorship so that it would help you sort of organize it not don't try to incorporate stuff that isn't your knowledge or your experience that's all okay thank you herb yeah that's wonderful question though thank you so much and that applies as a step guide too don't try to be herb don't try to be anybody else just be yourself, share the knowledge that you have and share the experience that you have and be very quick to say, gosh, I don't know. Gosh, I have no experience in that. I'm relatively new to, to, to uh, being a big book guide. I really like it. I like it better than being a sponsor. Um, and uh, I had, I've only had two people I've taken through the steps um, and they both had the question, you know, do they, or they both added themselves to the resentment list. And I was, I never experienced that. I mean, do you add yourself to the list of resentments? It doesn't seem to make sense to me, but here's my question. I, I get, I get the question in every workshop, every workshop. <laughs> and so it's, I, and by the way, I think it's a very legitimate question, not just because of current psychology, but also because Bill said so in the big book. On page 66, yeah. he says, perhaps it was remorse, and then we were sore at ourselves. Mm. Yeah, so I think it's okay. very legitimate. If you have a list of resentments of other people and institutions, put yourself last. Because mm -hmm. we're always putting ourselves first. Wait until you've unpacked all your analysis of your resentments and the underlying delusional beliefs and corrupt motives with other people, then if you still need to do one on yourself or more, you will be prepared and competent to do it more objectively. Mm -hmm. That's good. That's great. Yeah.
Good, thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. It's, a, it's an excellent question, excellent question. Hi everybody, my name's Lisa from the UK. Wonderful. I'd like to say thanks Herb, I'm in the process of going through your work. And I've been through the steps a few times. My question is, I've worked with med people like mental health and I've always like kept that separate because I'm not there to treat that. What do you do if someone's like really heavy medicated? Maybe that they need that medication and all the work that you're doing doesn't seem to get through. Yeah, let's 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 frame the question. As I heard the question, it was, what do you do with people who have some mental illness and are on medication and I'll add to it or should be on medication? Um, and then I broadened the question to uh, people who are drinking in Alcoholics Anonymous. You don't get sober because you want to. You don't get sober because you go to a meeting. All right. So you might be drinking and wanting to get sober. I mean, with a sincere intention. And, and it's even more relevant for the food addiction. This is a, a, a broad fellowship um, meeting here for all fellowships. And there's probably six or eight different food fellowships, uh, OA, uh, FA, uh, EA. I mean, there's a, a Gracie, there's a CEA How. Those are just some of the ones I know about. Each one of them has their own protocols. Each one of them has their own definitions of abstinence and the implications for not having abstinence. Uh, I, don't want to, I don't want to have any discussion about the various programs. What I'm, my interest is, is so what do you do with somebody who in a food program is a chronic relapser? They don't have any abstinence. What do you do with them if they're drinking, if they're drug use? And, and what do you do with them? You don't throw them away. My, my where I come from, and then I'm going to open it up without expressing too much of my opinion or knowledge or experience. But where I come from is I want to help number one. And I really do have an experience with step one that I am powerless over my addiction. If I am powerless over my addiction, I can't stop my addiction until I get some power. How do I get power? I get power. And it's guaranteed in the big book for the very first time on pages 84 and 85 after you finish the ninth step. So there's the conundrum for us. How do you get power enough to do the steps if in fact you're powerless over dealing with your addiction? The terminology in the big book specifically says we are placed in a position of neutrality. Yeah. All right. Hear the grace of that. We are placed, we are placed in a position of neutrality. But it assumes that you finish the first nine steps. All right, I'm going to call on people in the order that they have their hands raised. I'm going to leave it now for a, a discussion with people, their thoughts, their experience, their opinions. This is, this is not 12 step here. You can express your opinion and we can have crosstalk amongst ourselves. I just thought I'd share my experience. I came into recovery over 20 years ago and it took working steps on a very deep level with two different people, first with a therapist, an addiction specialist, and then a, um, a fellow in, the, in a program before I could even see that I had addiction problems of my own because my you know, what really brought me to my knees was my unmanageability and taking care of everybody who I thought I was in charge of. So I'm grateful that I didn't first come into a program that required me to stop eating or stop smoking or stop periodic drinking. I wouldn't have never gotten to the steps. So um, I have that personal experience that, you know, you have to take people where they're at. And if they're not ready to quit using, maybe they're at least willing to start looking at the unmanageability that exists in their life. Yeah, and, uh, that, that's a wonderful general principle, a wonderful general and specific principle under all circumstances is meet people where they're at, not where you want them to be, 
not where you think they should be, and certainly not where they think they are. But really, your appraisal as to where are they, meet them where they are. My experience is totally different than yours. My wife was in the hospital for her alcoholism. They asked me to stop drinking to support her for 90 days. I haven't had a drink since in 37 years. So I didn't do anything. I didn't even know I had a problem. But I agreed to stop to help her. Voila. Yeah. I Actually, that first time with the addiction specialist, I did stop all drinking yeah. for the time that I was doing the steps. And it was... It made a huge, it made a huge difference. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I just, well, yeah. It, I think it, it's which comes first, the chicken or the egg dilemma. Well, that, that is the question. Now, I won't work with somebody who's been drinking that day. Of course, I totally agree. If, yeah. they have, if they come to me without drinking from the morning they got up, I will work with them. Yeah. And, uh, and that's an extreme example, but I've, I've had one or two that it took some time for them doing the work for them then to get free enough to be given freedom from the addiction to finish the steps then yeah, yeah. and I've, I've had a couple of people that i realized what their real issue well i at least it looked to me from where i was sitting what their real issue and i was able to refer them over to somebody else who had that specific addiction that is because you wanted to help you don't, your ego's not involved in it. You right. want to help them. That's a another basic principle. Yeah, wonderful. I have a couple of insights uh, about what some people have been talking about. The first one is about sponsoring somebody who is taking medication. Yeah. And I just want to share some experience. Um, when I was first in AA, uh, the same year you were, I first got sober in 84. And then in 85, I had a clinical depression. And I ended up taking antidepressants for it. And as you know, and anyone that was around AA in the 80s and 90s, and possibly even now, <laughs> but especially then, especially then, anything more than an aspirin was verboten. Right. And my sponsor at the time gave me very valuable advice. She said, I'm glad you shared it with me don't share it at the group level that was awesome advice from my sponsor who was just a wonderful sponsor okay so that's my first insight since then i have um, been diagnosed bipolar and i take a handful of psych meds every night um i selectively share in meetings about yeah. that because yeah. i try to honor the traditions about sharing only about my alcoholism yes it sometimes comes up and I've met people who also are bipolar and thank me for sharing and this kind of thing. Absolutely. We share our experience. That's so right. Pain medication and psych medication, in my opinion, are two different things. Yes, they are. Okay. So that's insight number one. And then the second thing was about um, drinking, using, or eating food uh, or whatever while you're being sponsored. Okay. Um, I'm in AA and OA. All right. And um, my experience with AA is that it was pretty it's pretty hard line. Um, and my and this is talking about my experience in the rooms, not with you. Uh, the My experience in the rooms of AA is like if you're not sober. Um, the, well, anyways, if you're not sober, uh, you know, the big book even goes so far as to say, why don't you try some more controlled drinking and this kind of right. thing. Um, with OA, it's been very different. And I think OA is um, unique of all the food programs in that we are allowed to create our own abstinence. Um, it's a very broad based, uh, maybe I'm just speaking too specifically to, a, to one no, group. No, 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 please go, yes. Okay, so in OA, um, I also joined OA way back in the 80s, and there was a going program at the time, which was more with the original um, pioneers of OA, which was three meals a day with nothing in between and no individual binge food. That was pretty much it in Orange County. And, uh, you know, fast forward to today, I have, I'm abstinent, but I don't have that abstinence. I have a very different 
definition of my abstinence today. It works for me. Uh, it works for a lot of people. Uh, and it isn't, it isn't what I just told you. It's, um, you know, so people have everything from, well, you've heard about the very strict sort of abstinence, um, very, uh, what do you call it, restrictive and this kind of thing. Uh, and then there's very broad-based abstinence. Anyways, it, so my experience personally has been that I was able to get traction in in uh, in recovery by working with a sponsor who had the same abstinence as I did. I I, I don't know how else to how else to explain it, but anyways, that's my two cents. All right, all right. So um, that would be tricky, though, wouldn't it, for a newcomer to kind of discern what their approach and definition of abstinence would be for themselves since they're whack jobs anyway and they're totally <laughs> rationalizing and they really don't know anything and literally couldn't find their ass with both hands so <laughs> to to have them uh make a decision about their abstinence that's a bit hard i don't know if that would be even a reasonable thing to do so what would your with i love the background and the and the way you've changed it for your from a common sense standpoint and it works based on your needs your approval your 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 approach um common sense but as it's developed for you but then in relationship to the question how do you work with people in terms of new people uh trying to find some food abstinence stay with that please okay the people that seek me out as a sponsor are people that have heard me share, uh, usually as a speaker. And when you when you speak at an OA meeting, you, you usually uh, it's not required, but you usually say what your abstinence is. And my abstinence bottom line is no binging. And I'm also recovering from being a perfectionist. Um, I tried to do a perfect abstinence and I kept failing uh, spectacularly. And behind every failure was a binge. So the sponsor that I have now, who is close to normal weight, she I asked her to be my sponsor because I wanted what she had. And she said, okay, your abstinence is no binging. You can change it after a year uh, if you want to. And I also personally said to myself, uh, if I blow up, you know, if I start gaining weight behind this new uh, whatever. Okay, so I, I forgot your question again. <laughs> I forgot your question. How do I help somebody yes. who is wanting what I have? Okay. Well, they may not uh, know what you have. They may not know what you have, but what they want is to be able to deal effectively with what they call their food addiction. How do you approach that with them? I share, like somebody else, I'm not keeping track of names, but I love the person that shared today that said, the best thing I can do as a sponsor is share work to work for me. Yeah. All right. Well, then get specific with you. Then if somebody comes to you with a self-declared eating problem and they want help from you uh, and you're going to take them through the steps. Do you have any conditions concerning their relationship with food while you're working with them in the steps? No. All right. Um, I've, I've come to believe and understand over time that they don't have to have the same abstinence as I do. Um, but so you're going to take them this through the steps so that there's they a caveat. Conscious. Yeah, go ahead. Exactly. Exactly. So they don't have to have the same absolute the steps. I've had exactly one person <laughs> who was willing to go through the steps using the um, herb method. Uh, and she did struggle with her abstinence um, quite a bit. Um, she didn't make it to step nine, but she did go all the way through and she despite finished her. Um, despite her quote relapse with food, you continued working with her through the steps. Yes, I did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that's really what I wanted to know, yeah. And, and I, I loved your initial response was, um, you tell them what your definition is, 
you also suggest they find their own definition of abstinence. Meanwhile, you take them through the steps while they struggle and uh, come to their own conclusions. I think the um, the development of all the other food programs is an actual uh, result of sort of what OA did by opening up what abstinence meant. Right. I mean, when I look right. at, at the details of FA and sure. especially see how it's like, oh, that's the thing that we used to do that we used to require people to do. Mm -hmm. And I think people that really want that and need that, they go to that program. Got that's it. my opinion. Yeah, yeah. No, it makes total sense. Um, hi. Yeah, a couple of things that have been mentioned that I've experienced um, as a sponsor. Um, I have a sponsee currently going through the 12-step workshop, and um, she has been breaking throughout the whole process. Uh, she does have a step guide and a small group. Um, and I think it's really important, even if people are breaking, I'm in FA, um, if they're breaking or in other programs, breaking their abstinence, whatever that might be, um, that they are able to continue do working the 12 steps because that's what's going to help them deal with their addiction. <laughs> um, and so I just don't understand. And this is my opinion as well. But, you know, I, I think it's important, regardless of whether or not people are maintaining their abstinence, that they continue with the 12 steps. Yeah. This particular sponsee, I asked a question about her in this very first group meeting we had back in April because two days before she did her step five, she confessed to me as her sponsor that she had um, had a break and that she'd been lying to me for a year. And, um, and you and I chatted about that and I really wasn't sure what to do about it. I, I, we did her step five, but I wasn't sure about how to deal with that in the, in the sponsee sponsor relationship. Right. And something you said that day that's been repeated today that really fundamentally changed my, uh, I don't know if it's an opinion or attitude or whatever about being a sponsor is working with the person where they're at yeah. and not where I think they should be or want them to be or how I think they should be, you know, dealing with their recovery. Yeah. It's dealing with them where they are at and that really had a profound impact on me and my thinking so i really appreciate that yeah. Yeah. and now with this same sponsee she's at step eight trying to come up with harms to prepare for amends yeah. and um she's now back at step four to do resentments toward herself yeah. because a lot of the harms that she was coming up with when you really dug into them were really resentments she had toward herself because she had harmed herself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Um, so it's just been an interesting experience. Um, and again, she's, she's working with me to a degree on more column threes and fours, yeah. but also with her step guide. Yeah. But now she's really struggling with the resentments she has toward herself. Yeah. And now she's really getting down to a lot of the real core issues that she has right. in her life. And yeah. um, you know, what you're describing is it's a process and it's not a, it's not a linear process. It's spiral. So there she is back doing some column three, column four work while she's attempting to do step nine. Yes, ma'am. That's right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Right. That's wonderful. Thanks. I, I'd like to change a little bit of the direction and um, but I, I had an interesting phone call yesterday from uh, my name is out on various uh, lists, you know, because of the program that I'm in. And a stranger called me from Florida that I had never spoken to before. And she was in crisis. And so I asked myself, okay, what does this person need? And I realized she needs to be listened to right now. So I was in the process of listening to her. She mentioned that the night before she wanted to jump off a bridge 
At which point I stopped the conversation. I asked her where she was, if she's safe, does she have a support system? I didn't at the time have the suicide prevention hotline, uh, the national hotline uh, handy, but I learned from yesterday's conversation that that is something that I need to have handy because you never know who's going to call you sure. in what state they're yeah. in. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I'm so glad that I have the clarity to stop that conversation yeah. when I did to ask the questions that I did. Well, see, and you're realizing you're not a therapist or a doctor or whatever else. And this person is signaling to you some uh, potential life consequence uh, situation. And in, in all humility, you need to get an intervention going for them to the best of your ability to the extent that it might even be you call the police uh, at the end of the conversation. If in fact you find that they're probably serious and or enough serious that you can be embarrassed by having the police go knock on their door. The, the point of your conversation is you, you need to know your limits and have the yes. humility to yes. uh, stop where you're at if in fact uh, you're being asked of something that's not within your scope of experience. That's, yeah, that's, that's what this is about, is sharing that kind of experience. Now, you've brought consciousness to over 70 people of like, oh, yeah, that could happen. Yes. Thanks very much. Okay. My question about this topic revolves around the specific area where the person is literally as the, as the doctor's opinion says, too jittery or be fogged to uh, really get this spiritual right. solution. And there's a pamphlet in AA called AA, uh, Alcoholics and Other Medications, I believe. In that pamphlet on AAs and other medications, it talks about having a doctor that has demonstrated experience working with alcoholics or you know drug addicts and and so what I'm wondering about is, in, my, in one case, this fellow was seeing, I think, a doctor feel good or essentially somebody who had no demonstrated experience was just simply drugging them. And is it possible to just directly say to the person, look, I think you need help, but it doesn't appear the teeth, the saw can get any traction here. Maybe would you want to consider seeing a different doctor? Absolutely. That is, okay. Absolutely. And that's I send people to have uh, biological or psychological evaluations. A medical doctor, if it's a biological, uh, a psychiatrist and or clinical psychologist, if it's a uh, emotional mental issue. And um, if people who with long-term sobriety are exploring some other uh, issue um, with the possible uh, use of herbs and or other remedies that are being advertised, um, I send them to an addictionologist. So oh. that's a that's a medical doctor that has specialized in addiction. They have a certification, a bona fide state or federal certification as an addictionologist, so that they can sort through herbs and medications. Okay, that helps. So. In addition to that, perhaps to bridge this topic in conversation with the person that's going through such an issue, would going through the pamphlet with them and saying, "Look, this is this is what AA, this is what the doctors and AAs have su suggested of being careful, and this is why I like to suggest you go to a certain addictionologist." So I don't know one at the present, but sure. this is just for future reference. Sure, I mean, yeah, if they're willing to read, of course, yeah. Okay, and that's it. Okay, thanks, sir. That's a huge issue. I'm so glad that you raised it and we had to have that conversation because it, it expands our vision as to the, the way we prepare. We don't have to do the work for them, but it's wonderful to be able to support and help them 
find the resources and get to, because you know, in early recovery, we're kind of foggy and kind of apathetic anyway, uh, apathetic, not just pathetic, but apathetic in terms of having the energy to solve our own problems. So no, those are very, very relevant issues for us here. That's part of uh, giving us arrows in our quiver so that we can really help people. Thanks. Um, I'm thinking if, if one sponsors someone in general, the alcoholic maybe have been drinking that morning and then it won't work for that day to meet with him, certain things are clear cut. What about meds, whether they're for medical reasons or- for I, have, I have no opinion on medications. I'm not a doctor or a pharmacist. I tell them to talk to their doctor and pharmacist about prescribed medication, if that's your question. I have no opinion on that. Well, my question is, if you don't want to talk to them, if they've been excessive that day, how would wait, you- Wait, 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 wait. When you say excessive, if they're following their prescription from a doctor, they're not excessive. Right, and if they- are just pill takers. How do you wait, wait, wait? See, you have to listen to my words, not your words. Are they taking the prescription the way the doctor is suggesting? If the answer is yes, then that's none of my business. If the answer is no, then they have an addiction and we need to talk about that. Okay, and that would be, I was thinking if they were doing it on their own, and that's what. Barbara, right? And I'm so glad there's some OA folks in here that have to deal with food. I'm in OA 17 years. And um, the thing I'm struggling with in this conversation as a sponsor is that, uh, let's forget the OA definition of abstinence, but they come to OA because they want to be relieved, hopefully, of their compulsive overeating. And we offer them a program that says we're powerless and we need to get power. So I tell my sponsor, read the doctor's opinion. And they read the doctor's opinion and say, wow, I never thought of it as an allergy before, but that makes a lot of sense. And so there's a process by which they slowly give up their allergic foods, their, their binge and trigger foods. Uh, and then sometimes their ego rebuilds and they go back and even again say, oh, I guess I was wrong. I really should stay away from that. So in terms of me as a sponsor, mm -hmm. are we talking about being patient yeah. with their progression <laughs> of, of getting this idea of powerlessness, of the allergy, of the obsession? That's That's what I'm grappling with here because... I was taught they got to put down the food immediately. You can't work with someone who's in the food and it's grace that gets them to the point of getting the power. Well, I didn't get that. I no. wasn't abstinent for nine years. There you go. There you go. No, your, your experience would be my, I would support your experience, not the other more rigid approach. Uh, yes, be patient with their learning, with their experience, and yes, support them as they stumble. They're on training wheels, and they fall off the bike. And then eventually, they don't need the training wheels, but they still have accidents. Help them get up and ride the bike again. Okay, yeah. great. Yeah. Now, that's, to me, that's, I want to really help. That's all. I look through the lens of how can I help? And it's not helpful to be the abstinence police. Yeah. Thank you so yeah, there's much. There would be a lot of people that would disagree with that herd and oh, program, but I'm oh, trying yeah. to find oh, my, my identity. My picture's on the post office wall, believe me. <laughs> <laughs> most wanted, eh? <laughs> or most not wanted. <laughs> I'll just add a little bit um, um, to what the few pre previous people said. Um, I've been OA, have been in OA for 38 years, have stumbled and done my own stumbling. And what really helped me is the part in the big book where 
where it says um, with Jim, the car salesman guy, we, we worked with him, right? And yep. so what's been helpful for me is sponsors that have worked with me. Yeah. Um, well, yeah. in fact, Jim and the car salesman, they worked with him six times. He went back to the insane asylum because he relapsed six times every time we sat down with him. Right. <laughs> and and I've had patient sponsors that have done that with me. Yeah. Um, and I have done that with others. So I keep that in mind. Um, I work the doctor's opinion with somebody when they first come in so they, they get a bit of an understanding. And I... Um, do I don't know I'm in Canada and one of the things that we do with people when they first come to us is is say let's talk about it, um, what's the right abstinence for you and we do a thing with red light and green light foods so basically we do some questions about and I've got some questions I use um, about you know what are the things that you once you start you can't stop the same language that you use Right. In the sessions, what are the things you start with can't stop, and one of the things you can't stop from starting? Yeah. And I get them to make the list, and we go over it, and we look for common ingredients, and I do the same thing with behaviors. Right. And so, and then we come up with something, and and I say, are, are you willing to at least start here with this? This is your list, right? Um, and you know, let's start with that, and continue to read the doctor's opinion, and. And I kind of skip Bill's story for a minute and go to more about alcoholism. And um, there is a solution because that's all step one stuff that's more a little for me more tangible. Yep. And we work that around their list, yep. right? Yep. Um, and I love that you see because you're giving them ownership in their recovery. They're defining their list. You're not, or the program's not. So you're not you're not triggering their defiance. You're in fact inviting their compliance. Yeah, that's wonderful. And I do share with them my abstinence. Yeah. And um, you know, like others, I've been sugar free for over thirty years. But but I got in. I, I have abstained from other things, and I work with them to help them get some measures some amounts because most of the time they don't have a clue about amounts either. Right. So right. I'll say this is what I do. Yeah. Um, but what from that will work for you? Because Beautiful. even if I weigh and measure, it could be one plate for you. Your measurement could be very different. Exactly. So again, yep. it's the dignity, right? It's giving them some dignity around it. Not only that, it's very realistic. That's one. Thank you for the words that you've just given me because I'm not in that program. Therefore, it's been difficult for me to describe it or share experience. Um, but the words that you just gave me was um, that each person's biology is really different and they have to figure out the quantity. They have to figure out the quality. They have to figure out what's, what's their list of, uh, uh, you said, I think red and green light, or my daughter uses the term skull and crossbones. <laughs> yeah. And, and the thing for OA, which is a little bit different and I've done FA and I've done a bunch is that, not everybody's allergic to the same things that I am from a food perspective. Like I can't, you know, I have certain things that I can't have, but right. other people can have those right. and then because they're, they're not like me, they're not addicted. They can't, they can stop. I can't. Right. And so um, that's the most important thing. And I have to really listen to catch what is it that gets them that doesn't get me, right. for example. Right. Exactly. Um, so, and then I, I just have to be there and, and be supportive and when they yep. want to go further and if I've had some that you know drop off for months and then show up again and exactly. I'm here when they're ready to come back and and right. and work but I I do work the big book I'm a big book person yep. and it's the doctor's opinion there is a solution to more about alcoholism yeah yep. So. thanks so much that that was very helpful everybody has been expanding my own vocabulary and knowledge and experience. Thank you. What happened with me when I came in and what I do with my sponsees is the first thing we do is they write down their history, their eating history from as far back the first memory they have of having any kind of issues with food. Once they write that out, they begin to start seeing that pattern. What are the things 
that when I eat these, I have a problem with. Um, But my first um, suggestion to every person I sponsor is go see a nutritionist because I'm not one. So I don't understand what what your your age, what your body, what your needs are. That's exactly what I did. And I found out exactly what I needed for my age and my activity level. But also then I had a lot of weight to lose. (laughs) So I needed somebody to help me figure out how to eat to lose weight, but to get healthy and something I could maintain, but not a diet per se. So, um, and I have had um, all of my sponsees have really responded to that. Those two things that show them, they already know the foods I can't eat. <laughs> That's not a big mystery, you right. know, but what can I eat and how can I eat? Yeah. Um, and then this is the accountability issue. Um, my, all of my sponsees turn their food over every day and I don't care what they eat. I don't judge that, but they're going to tell me today I'm eating this and they're going to eat that. Um, You know, the biggest thing for me, because I wasn't so-called a binge eater, I just ate all the time, was that once I determined what I was going to eat for the day, if I decided midday I wanted something else to eat, I was going to have to wait till the next day and put it on the list. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So, and then also the weighing and measuring, which I really resisted coming in. It didn't take me very long to figure out if I didn't weigh and measure, I didn't know how much I was eating. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So it was, then it became a no-brainer. It wasn't like it was forced on me. Yep. Yep. You're going to weigh and measure your food because yep. when I walked in, I said, one thing I'm not going to do is weigh and measure my food until yep. I went to a nutritionist and she told me how much to eat. So anyway, I just wanted to share that. That has been very, uh, it was so helpful for me and got me abstinent, yep. you know, two years ago and been able to maintain that. And, yep. and three meals a day with nothing in between was what I was suggested and what I had to do for, but my sponsees have their own, but they've all been willing to go to a nutritionist and get a food food plan and then determine from their history what their alcoholic foods are and they eliminate those. So that's been real helpful. um, I was at a uh, Joe and Charlie big book weekend and um, I asked Charlie what to do if you had someone that was eating that couldn't get abstinent and so he shared his AA experience which is similar to what you've said that right. he just told me he said if she's willing to do the work yeah. you know just keep her going at it yeah. and when she gets through with the ninth step she will stop compulsively eating yeah. and I said okay so I did that with her I mean she we set up a fourth step she disappear she called me three days later say I'm sorry I was in the hospital you know, she'd been throwing up blood and I just, we'd reschedule and we right. finally got her through the ninth step and she got abstinent. There you go. And she just celebrated like 35 years of abstinence. There you go. All right. That's, um, that's a total reinforcement of yeah. the principle, the operating principle. That's right. Thank you so much. Well, then just, you know, what I do with people in AA or in OA is when we finish the fifth step, you know, I, I tell them, you know, that they may stop drinking or they may stop compulsively eating after the third step. It says, you know, we may have a big effect, right. but I said, you may have it after the fifth step, but yep. it's really not promised till you get to the 10th step. So just focus on, you know, you, you're powerless. You can't do anything about your eating or your drinking. Focus yep. on working the steps yep. and the miracle will happen. Yes. So that's sort of the approach I take, and it, it yeah. seems to be working. Well, that that is a wonderful, relevant conclusion to what we've been talking about and want to talk about, and that's exactly right. You do the first nine steps, you will get freedom from your addiction, but you won't keep it in, unless you, on a daily basis, do steps 10, 11, and 12 on a reasonably consistent, diligent basis. So I'm going to invite you now to join me in the prayer of St. Francis. This is the prayer that captures this turning, this transformation, both the process and the promise of finding our way from the false self to the true self. Please join me. Lord, make me a channel of your peace, that where there is hatred, I may bring love that where there is wrong, I may bring the spirit of forgiveness, 
that where there is discord, I may bring harmony, that where there is error, I may bring truth, that where there is doubt, I may bring faith, that where there is despair, I may bring hope, that where there are shadows, I may bring light, that where there is sadness, I may bring joy. Lord, grant that I may seek rather to comfort than to be comforted, to understand than to be understood, to love than to be loved. For it is by self-forgetting that one finds. It is by forgiving that one is forgiven. It is by dying that one awakens to eternal life. Amen.